Hello, friends. This is Rick Thomas. You're listening to the Life Over Coffee episode. Thank you so much, or podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. This is episode 266. The title of the episode is When Biblical Counselors Don't Act Like Biblical Counselors. As you can tell from the title, this is highly sensitive information that I want to share with you, but I think it's appropriate that we all have family discussions every now and then to self-assess. The easy part is to talk about the neighbors, to talk about those who aren't like us, Uh, but that's good and that's appropriate, but it's also appropriate that we make self-assessments, and so I am making one. I have been making one as I have been scripting out these show notes, and I trust that this will benefit you as well. Let me give you the setup, and then I'll roll through the show notes, which you can find on our podcast, uh, on our website. If you wish, go to the resource link, uh, hover over it, look for podcast, and you can find all of our episodes, all 266 of them, including this one. Here's the setup. A biblical counselor sent me a note asking me what my perspective was on the Duluth model power and control will. If you don't know what that is, that's fine. I talked to one biblical counselor. They said, I've never heard of it. That's great. Uh, it is a, a doc, It is a graphic uh, where some folks uh, interviewed a couple hundred people uh, about abuse and, and what was their experience about abuse, and then they created this will, and it created categories of how to think about abuse. And some biblical counselors, integrated counselors, secular counselors, they use the Duluth model power and control will. And so a biblical counselor asked my perspective, and I shared my perspective, which is no problem, and they received it and then wrote back, said, well, those are similar concerns that I have too. And then as I began to think about what I wrote, I thought it might benefit some folks who are on our private Facebook group page. And so I posted what I had written to the biblical counselor on our private Facebook group page. And then someone uh, took what I wrote and they carried it over to another private Facebook group page and asked the leader of the group, for their perspective on what I had written, and and then that's when things kind of got sideways. How do I know about this? Well, I received some screenshots and had some conversations with some folks, and I was drawn into it. I, I was not looking for it. I don't participate uh, in any Facebook group, ours or otherwise, uh, and so I would not be aware of this. But as I began to read through the screenshots and began to ask more questions, even these show notes that I I sent to one person, I said, would you just look over this? And I want to make sure that I'm accurate in what I have seen, and I want to make sure that I understand. I I don't want to uh, speak in a way that's untrue, and, and the person who uh, read through what went on in that Facebook group, said, no, what you have written here is accurate, and it is an issue. And so I did vet this. I seen some of the information. I did ask a lot of questions because it's just important, and I do want to be accurate. I don't want to be uncharitable. Uh, and and uh, honestly, this is not for them, but this is a It's really a case study of how all of us can do biblical counseling more effectively, and so I trust that you will hear it in that spirit. It's not even a corrective. That group is an integrated 
biblical, and what that means is they're, they're secular, biblical, somewhere in there, and that's what we call integrationist. And so it's really not for them, and I don't think that really any of them pay attention to what I write anyway, and so it's not about them and for them, but it's, it's for me. What I vetted, what I heard, what I asked questions about, and the interactions that I had, it, it, it's for me, and I trust that it's for you as well. And so my purpose in this podcast is what I want to do is I want to draw a parallel between a few of the responses in that private Facebook group and how it reflects some of the things that we see in biblical counseling. And so that is the parallel. What went on, some of the things that went on in that private group, it does parallel some of the things that we see in biblical counseling. So this is not an artificial setup. This is very real. I, I've been doing biblical counseling forever, and I see this. And those of you who follow our ministry, you know that I'm an advocate of biblical counseling. You also know that I am a critic. Again, if we can't self-assess, if I can't self-assess, if our little ministry, if our mastermind students, if and it just works out in those concentric circles, if we can't do that, and if our instinct is always to talk about them over there, then we do have a problem. And so this parallel that I want to draw between some of the things from some of the people that was in that group uh, to how we do biblical counseling, our counseling department, it's not artificial. How we communicate in any space reveals how we think and interact in other spaces. Let me give you an analogy here, because some people say, well, I mean, it's a private Facebook group. What business is of yours? Well, one, it's not any of my business, and I'm, I really have no interest in it. I was kind of brought into it, but I have zero interest in what they're doing. But, but why is it our business in another sense? Here's the analogy. Suppose you had a man and a wife behind closed doors in a private Facebook group called Their Bedroom. Isn't it important how they interact between the two of them, it, isn't there a parallel between how they interact between uh, behind a bedroom door and how they interact in the public space? Now, I'm, I realize that we can mask heart matters and we can be hypocritical. I get that. And we see too much of that anyway. You know, people on the public stage where they're just greater than anything, than sliced bread, but then, then we find out that, you know, they're they're devilish, you know, behind closed doors. And so I realize that's there, but that's a darker problem, and I'm not addressing that in this podcast. What I am saying is just as clear as what Jesus said in 645 of Luke, the mouth reveals the heart. And so what comes from our lips affirm what's inside our hearts. Now, if we have a, a discontinuity there, if meaning that if our hearts, if we have issues, we're uncharitable, we're unkind, we're not gentle. Basically, we're not empowered by the fruit of the Spirit. We don't have self-control and not evidenced by the fruit of the Spirit. If we don't have these traits, these characteristics, wherever we are, behind bedroom doors on a private Facebook group, then I don't, I don't want that person counseling me. I don't want someone like that counseling me. I don't want them counseling my wife. Uh, and we don't want them counseling our children. We want people who are high character, and it's evidenced by how they carry themselves in whatever context that they are in. And again, I'm not making a judgment on any individual in that group. That's why you will not hear me even use the pronoun him or her. 
throughout this podcast, even the person who sent me the uh, to get my opinion on the Duluth model. I never said it was a him or her. I'm not. I don't want to draw attention to any individual. I want to draw attention to an idea. Now, thankfully, some people within that group stood up. People of courage. People who have high character. In fact, one of them stood up, and because I was I was called a an, an oppressing oppressor, a BC a BCer, biblical counselor. An oppressor. I mean, that's right out of the Duluth will. I mean, it's kind of ironic. I'll get to that in a moment. But one of, at least one, uh, stood up and said, well, you may want to dial that back a bit. Rick has written a lot on abuse, and he comes from an abusive background. And for those of you who have followed the ministry, I mean, you, you know, I mean, my father was an abuser, physically verbal abuser. It was just unbelievably horrendous. I've I've talked some about that. Uh, you know, I've had two brothers who were murdered uh, 10 years apart. I've talked about that. I've gone through a divorce. I've lost children. I mean, God has permitted a lot in my life, or at this juncture, I am grateful for. But as anyone who has gone through any kind of abuse, you know, that's not the song you sing initially, and it takes a long time to work through it. Abuse is a difficult deal. And so this one biblical counselor did stand up, high character, conviction, integrity. He said, no, uh, we're a little bit out of bounds here. You may want to dial it back some. Now, I want you to hear that I'm not sharing these views here out of a personal grievance. Uh, honestly, I don't care what people think in that sense. I really don't. If I've been doing Christian ministry for over 35 years, and if you have thin skin, you can't function in Christian ministry. So it's not about that. I'm not airing a, a beef, and it's one of the reasons I'm not highlighting any person in this podcast, but I want to talk about these ideas because it does apply to all of us. I, I have a genuine concern that I have seen many times among biblical counselors, not just this instance. And the reason that this is really important, who we are as people on a private Facebook group, behind closed doors, on the public stage, in the counseling office, who we are as people impacts those who are on the receiving end of our care. That is the bottom line. And that's why this is so important. We are the ones who should be bringing expert, skilled, biblical care to the vulnerable. If we cannot conduct ourselves well with each other, the chances of doing it the right way when it really matters, especially when the degree of difficulty increases, it's not likely. And I am speaking specifically about victims of abuse. I'm speaking about domestic violence. I mean, it's like the highest level of biblical counseling care, meaning that the intensity of the biblical counseling and the qualification of the biblical counselor have to be extremely high, which means that's our character too. Not the Duluth model or, or any other model. I mean, who we are as people, because it doesn't get any more intense than that. And we want to make sure that we are walking circumspect 
before the Lord in how we interact with our own people and how we interact with those whom we disagree with, because many of the people in that group do disagree with my perspectives. High-end, formalized biblical counseling, in the context of what I'm speaking about here, it's a job for the called, the competent, the courageous, and compassionate, who have the God-given capacity to help those vulnerable souls. Now, we should be men and women of integrity regardless of our skill set. But I'm saying skill set alone in this instance we, we need more than that. Now, now, certainly, I mean, if you don't do domestic violence counseling, you don't work with victims of abuse, you're just a good friend. Well, there's application here, too. We want to be consistent in who we are at the level of our hearts. And so if I didn't speak up, it would be a dereliction of duty. I care too much for the victims uh, to be quiet about this. And so I, I trust that they will be a few that will hear and they will heed. I'm talking about uh, me. I'm talking about my family. I'm talking about our, our little ministry. I'm talking to our mastermind students. And, and it works out in concentric circles. And wherever you are, if you have ears to hear, then heed. Do what I am doing and make a self-assessment and say, how am I behind closed doors? And so what I want to do is I want to roll through 11 problems that I could draw out of the little bit of time that I've spent in that Facebook group based on things that were given and discussions that I've had. I just want to draw out 11 in no particular order and then make that parallel that I mentioned earlier, a BC parallel. And so I'll present it in parallelism. I'll give you the problem of what happened, and and I'm just going to say one instance in this group, that I'm just going to take this as an episode, and that what I am saying here doesn't characterize any of them. It's just a, a moment. Somebody had a bad day. Somebody was frustrated, whatever. And there's a difference between episodes and a pattern. I mean, we don't play off episodes, as though it doesn't matter. I'm doing this podcast. But I'm going to put this in an episode because, honestly, I don't know, and I would be speaking from ignorance to say that these people are like this. And I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying in this instance it was like this. It's been vetted, and so it was like this. And so let's listen. I will listen. And if we are like this, let's, Lord, help me. First, it's not my brother, it's not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord, and make those applications. So I want to give you 11 problems and then 11 parallels to biblical counseling. Problem number one, labeling someone as an oppressor without talking to them or without interacting with them, but drawing that conclusion through secondhand perspectives and fitting that individual within your pre-existing paradigm for problem-solving. Now, what I just shared with you is the approach of descriptive psychology, and that is a hallmark of some counseling. What I mean by that? Well, I have a video here inside these show notes. Daniel Berger and I, ironically, just met a couple of weeks ago or a few weeks ago, and we did a video. We've done several, and you can access all of them on our website. But the one that I have embedded in this, these show notes is, What is Descriptive Psychology? 
And so, for example, the Duluth model, the, the will, uh, it describes behaviors. And what I want you to hear is, I am not saying that any of the behaviors aren't real, that what a, a an abuse person is seeing and saying, I am not saying that it's not real. I'm speaking to the biblical counselor. No, it's a very real problem. But what the biblical counselor does, if you work from descriptive psychology, and you, it's like the DSM-4. Maybe that's a better illustration. Take ADHD. Daniel and I just did almost a one-hour video today on ADHD. That's coming very soon. I want you to watch that because it was very good. But ADHD has 18 data points. And if someone looks at a child and they match it to the data point, then they label them as ADHD. Do you see what just happened? I mean, there's no comprehensive care whatsoever. It's a very tight paradigm for addressing a problem, and that is a problem. And so what happened is the person hears X, Y, Z, whatever the conversation is about me in this instant. And they have a way of filtering that information. Now, in this case, the Duluth Power Wheel. Well, obviously, I'm an oppressor based on this data, but they haven't talked to me. They don't know me. We haven't interacted. And by the way, if I am an oppressor and they have that, then somebody needs to be confronting me about it. And so that's the problem. Now, the BC parallel, the biblical counseling parallel, if a counselor works from a list of words or categories like the Duluth model, it's not the only one, there's a zillion of them. And if the shoe seems to fit, they pin the person to their pre-approved label, though they never talk to the person. Let me give you an illustration of this. A husband comes in and he, he's an abuse. His wife's an abuser. She abuses him and he shares you know, whatever, and then the biblical counselor listens, and here's all the words. Here's the word cloud that I'm looking for, and the things that you are saying matches my word cloud. Therefore, your wife is an abuser. And of course, you can flip it around if the wife is being abused. Either way, both of those happen. Both of those are very real. But whoever the abused person is, I'm talking about the counselor. The problem's real, but the counselor has a word cloud, and that's all they operate from. That's not biblical counseling. That's uh, painting by numbers. And so here's number three. It calls for red. I'm going to put red in this spot. That is so dangerous. Biblical counseling is more comprehensive than that. You don't speak in a way until you have the full matter. And this is one of the concerns I was sharing about the Duluth model, as well as all of those other descriptive ways of thinking about counseling. Now, people can use those models, especially when you first start. And one of the things I made about the Duluth model, it reminds me, you know, there's books that are written like scripture for every problem. And so what a novice counselor will do is that they will be counseling someone and they have a problem with anger or approval or lust or whatever, and then they, they thumb through their book because that's what the, per the person said, anger. And then they give them a list of verses on anger because the word matched these scriptures 
under this category of anger. Therefore, take, do you see how novice that is? And you can get away with that if you're a novice counselor and you're doing light discipleship work and you got backup and you're in a context of soul care providers. But you have to get inside of the anger. I mean, to help this person, how did they get there? What are the desires of the heart? What are the shaping influences? What are other issues that could be influencing why this anger has happened? Do you see how much more comprehensive doing high-end formalized biblical counseling than it is of just pinning a, a, a label on a presented problem? That is a huge issue, and it's kind of ironic that the people who were talking about the Duluth model actually pinned a presser on me. I did find that, well, sadly ironic that they're actually doing the very thing that I was critiquing. But when you put that inside of an abuse situation in counseling, and if you work from a word cloud, and, and you're not, I mean, there's a thing called walking in the spirit. There's a pneumatos in counseling, and if you don't have, if you're not pneumatic in counseling as guided by the, the word of God, if you can't think outside of paradigms and constructs, dear God, I just appeal that you don't do this kind of high-end counseling. All right, problem number two. Like most blurbs and posts and on social media, they are brief, they're not exhaustive. Those mediums aren't for plenary explanations or critiques of anything. There aren't. I see this often, you know, I'll put a blurb on a Facebook page and someone will just go off on it and it's like, uh, yeah, that quote came from a 2,000-word article, as most of my articles are. And so rather than having a ready-fire-aim mentality that you don't look for context, like you don't—blurbs, posts, and even the little small critique that I gave on the Duluth model, wisdom implies that you extend grace, that you ask clarifying questions to gain the intent of the blurb, the post, the meaning. So that's the problem. Here's the parallel. But don't do that, by the way. Don't be a ready-fire-aim person. And again, I trust this was just an episode that doesn't characterize people. Uh, but in the culture, we call it, and we're triggered by something, and we just go off because, again, we work within our own limitations, and that's not good. Here's the BC par- parallel. If, you pra- if your practice is to respond to things you partially understand without asking for clarification, your counseling will be ineffective and, and possibly hurtful. And I kind of alluded to that earlier. So you're talking to this husband. He's being abused by his wife, or he talked to the wife being abused by the husband. Again, either way. And you only hear one side of the story. You've got to do comprehensive care. That's what this kind of counseling does. We, we don't believe all women. I mean, we've seen where that goes. Now, some people would upload that and, and say we don't believe what they're saying. No, you do believe. You don't give any hint that you don't believe. But by believing them and giving them the benefit of, of the doubt and building that trust relationship with them, you don't kick your brain in neutral and you don't take the whole matter. I mean, Proverbs also talks about hearing the whole matter before you speak. It's a problem 
like blurbs and posts on social media in this illustration, they're brief, they're not exhaustive. And so wisdom implies you extend grace, you ask clarifying questions. And the BC Parallel, if that's your practice not to do that, you partially understand something, you, you don't have comprehensive understanding of it, uh, that is dangerous. All right, number three, problem. Only one person asked me a question. Now, I don't know how, how many people were, were frustrated. I know that it was more than one, but only one uh, asked a question about this. BC Parallel. If your reactive habit is to make a statement first, you will limit counseling effectiveness because you don't start with questions. Again, you have a limited thing, and you you don't ask more questions. Well, that's obviously an issue, slightly nuanced from problem number two that I presented. All right, number three, problem. Reacting and defending. One person responded with a lengthy defense of why they use the Duluth model, but... They did not ask for clarification. They only made statements in defense. Here's the BC parallel. If your first instinct is to defend yourself, potential insecurity blinds you to the basic principle to basic biblical principles, guidelines, and propriety. And that's what happened within this group. Oh, I, I, I use it. It's good. Da, 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 da. And then you just go off making statements, defending yourself, etc. That's not a discussion. And so you don't want to do that. Number five, problem. The person who was looking for clarification, the person who took my information, I want you to think about this. They went to a private Facebook group and asked about what I wrote. Uh, they didn't choose to talk to me about what I said. They have, they have no idea what I meant. They have no idea what I intended, which is why they were asking. And I'm okay with them asking. I get it. I, I, the person who wrote it said humbly, again, humbly, that I'm new to this. And so could you help explain what, you know, what this means and what Rick was saying? Do you see a problem with that? Here's the BC parallel. If you have an issue with someone and you need clarification, go to that person. I, I am not sure of a more basic Bible or counseling principle. You have a problem with someone and don't even attempt. And, and we're I'm very accessible. Uh, we, we have our forums operate every day. We interact with people. We have two-way dialogue all the time. There's been several things posted on our forums today. It's, it's a regular occurrence. I, I, don't, I don't even know how to say, I don't know how to make that plainer. You go to someone else. All right, number six, problem. The individual who responded to the question that was asked about me from what I understand. Now, I perhaps what they probably did, is they said, you need to go and you need to talk to the source. Now, that is common sense disciple-making. So I'm sure that this person, the leader of the group, uh, said you need to, at some point. I did not read that, but I'm, I assume that's what happened because that's just so common sense that you would send them back and say, hey, you just need to ask Rick. Now, what they did do, I do know this, they gave an opinion. They gave an opinion about what I meant I intended. Somebody was not a part of it. They stated that they did not read what I had written. And what they said was that some folks might have a conscience issue 
with using an integrated tool for counseling. Now, for the record, I don't, I don't give a rip about that. I really don't. I don't care about that. I read unregenerate people all the time. I watch unregenerate videos, unregenerate podcasts. I glean. I've spoken about you know people that I've, I've read who aren't believers, etc. And so this person gave an opinion about what I meant, and of course they were wrong. Because I mean, how could they? How could they be right? They, they and they stated up front. I'm not sure. I haven't read what Rick wrote on the Facebook page. That's the problem. BC Parallel. If anyone asks you what another person meant, send them to the source. Now, it's okay to speculate. I'm fine with this guy, ah, this individual, speculating. Guy means him or her because that's how people talk these days, even though I don't. I'm okay with this person speculating. But with biblical discretion plus a directive to go back to the source. Now, I have problem seven... 8, 9, 10, and 11, I won't be able to get to because of time. I do want to mention number 7, about how you communicate in any space. Ephesians 4.29, that's how you communicate in any space. If you're not familiar with that verse, I would just appeal to you to stop. Read that verse. Let me give it to you. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for the building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Thank you for listening to the podcast, episode 266. God bless. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.